By the way, praise God, the trip is fully funded. If there is anything else uh, that you guys want to give, uh, just mark it. It'll go to the Vincent family. Um, and uh, obviously, tithes and offerings during this season, don't forget. Uh, lots of times, priorities can shift as the, the lights on our houses change. Uh, but <laughs> don't forget to sow into things that are eternal. Amen. All right, that's enough of that. Okay. Hey, a lot of people have been calling and saying, you know, are you guys going to have Christmas Eve services? What, what pageantry will you be presenting? There won't be any pageantry here. Or there won't be any um, kind of stuff. But we will be focusing on Jesus. We can guarantee you that. So if that's good enough. We're going to be having service on Christmas Eve. So, uh, yeah. And I, I, what's that? Not in the PM. In the AM. In the AM. Am I missing anything? Saturday morning. Is, is what? Christmas Eve is Sunday this year. We had to do it. What was it last year? Was that it fell that Sunday fell on Christmas? That was brutal. That was, uh, yeah. Because Pete, you're having to make a decision. What do you do? It's hard. It's hard to choose. But it was good. It was sweet. They're both, <laughs> just stop. Go on to the message. Okay, let's do this. We're going to talk about persecution today. In the world, you will have trouble. Amen? Troubles. Uh, so today we're going to talk about perse persecution. It's defined as, Merriam-Webster says this, to harass or punish in a manner designed to injure, grieve, or afflict, specifically to cause to suffer because of belief. The second entry is to annoy with persistent or urgent approaches, such as attacks, pleas, or importunities, which means to beg. We looked that up this morning. I like it when you got to look up the definition of a definition. We're always students, right? In Greek, the word is dioko, which means to pursue in a hostile manner. Okay, so when you read about it in Matthew 5, blessed are you when you're persecuted, when people persecute you. Pursue in a hostile manner. Now, I'm going to do something different. Stephen, come on up. Now, Stephen, a few weeks ago, got to chase after somebody. Right? After Jackson. Remember? With the money? Yeah, he did a terrible job. <laughs> so now as, St and now I'm going to, I'm, when I get to Stephen, I'm going to tell him to go. When I get to him, I'm going to full-blown tackle him right now. Okay? So I'm, Stephen's going to take off running, and I'm going to show you what it's like to pursue someone in a hostile manner. Okay, you ready? Go. <laughs> I'm not going to tackle Stephen. But he thought I was. He felt the hostility, which is why he's tossing his phone and taking, and he's getting his hit because he knows he's about to be pursued with some hostility. And so he's running. There's motivation. Right? So, Dioko, to be pursued in a hostile manner. How many of you guys... 
when you think back throughout your life, have ever physically been pursued and someone was going to try and hurt you? How many of you have ever been in that situation? Can you remember it right now? Like, can you remember what that felt like when you were running, right? (laughs) And you're running probably faster than you've ever run before to try and get away. A lot of times when we talk about persecution, especially here in this country, we feel like we really don't deserve to talk about persecution. A lot of us will say that, right? Because we say, hey, we live in America. Everything's wonderful. Everyone should shut up. We don't suffer at all. Everything is fine, right? Because over there, people are getting their heads chopped off. Okay, so that's what we think. We think it's like, when we talk about persecution, it's like America doesn't know anything about persecution. These people know about persecution. Number one country in the world for persecution. Can anybody guess? Don't say it. (laughs) Knew you were going to say it too. You were about to. What is it? It's North Korea. North Korea. North Korea is the country with the worst persecution in the world. What I want us to do today is to understand persecution And I'm actually hoping that by the end of this sermon today, that people see it as like this beautiful, holy grail treasure to be like searched after and and gone after because of the reward that comes from it. So that when you find yourself in a moment where you might actually get to experience persecution, that it's like better than winning the lottery. That when when you get to not, we're going to distinguish between when you get a pow pow on your bum bum for doing the bad things, right? We're going to distinguish between suffering for doing evil and suffering for doing good, okay? So today, I'm hoping that we can actually put persecution in the right category, be able to identify it, and then be like, man, if I, if I would ever get to end up in that situation, not getting a speeding ticket, right? And then being like, my, my life, you know? Not being like that, but rather getting to actually suffer for Christ. If we should ever find ourselves in this moment for it to be like, get your, get your cameras out. Get your cameras out. I'm about to, I'm about to suffer for Jesus. And, and for it to be like the greatest moment of our lives. I'm hoping that by the end of today that we'll be able to see this. Now we're in the middle of a king series, so we're going to call it Enduring Persecution Like a King. There. Now we're in the middle. <laughs> Now it's consistent with the series, but we're talking about persecution today, okay? So let's do this. Go to Exodus one twelve. How many of you guys are actively working your way through the Bible right now in your own private time? Let me make a plea one more time. Good. Praise God. This is awesome. The way that you speak, the way that you think, the way that you present yourself, the things that are happening in your life, the connections, the blessings, all these things, right, will be multiplied as you pour yourself into Scripture. As you read Scripture more and more, you'll be able to speak more clearly, think more clearly. People will want to hear what you have to say. All these things will begin happening. You won't have to spend $5,000 to go to a Tony Robbins seminar to learn how to be a different kind of person. Read scripture and it will make you wise. Yeah? Good. Exodus 1.12. But the more they were oppressed, 
the more they multiplied and spread. Now that's a cool line, which means that as they were being pushed right down, as they were being squeezed down, as they were being held down, as they were being pursued, right? The more they what? Spread, multiplied. We see this idea of when there is an oppression and a pressing and a chasing and a desire to kill and destroy, it actually does the opposite. And what actually ends up happening is an expanding, a multiplying, a growing, okay? Think of this right now. Uh, whenever we were um, meeting in the living room doing a Bible study, I gave everybody index cards and a pen. And I said, I want you to write on here the absolute worst thing that you can imagine happening to you. I want us all to think about that for just a second. What would be the absolute worst thing in the entire world that could happen to you? When I was little, I was very afraid of being tortured slowly, right? Like if they were going to cut my skin and like slowly torture me and keep me alive over days. I was terrified of that, right? But now that I'm older and I have kids, the thing that would be the worst thing in the world that could happen to me, right, would be if someone were to do that to my children. That would be the worst thing. But for you, think about it for a second. What would be the worst thing that could possibly happen to you? Raise your hand when you got it. Raise your hand in, in your mind. Raise your hand when you got that. Play along. No one's, it's, yeah, it's good. Okay, so now that you're thinking of it, now that you're thinking of that worst thing, if you were threatened with that reality, could that make you deny Jesus? It's just a thought. If someone came to you and threatened you with that reality and said, deny Jesus or I'm going to make that fear a reality for you, deny him, would you do it? Could you endure through that? It's a thought. I want to tell you there are a line of heroes that have gone before us that have experienced persecution. Remember, what does persecution mean? Chasing after with hostility or pursuing with hostility, right? I want to tell you guys a whole bunch of heroes that have been persecuted. You guys know Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. This is like the hall of persecution. In Genesis 4, Abel was hated, pursued, and murdered by his brother because of his righteousness. Moses was pursued as a baby as the Israelite people were oppressed. Sanballat and Tobiah in Nehemiah 4, they mocked and insulted and bullied the Israelites as they tried to build the wall again. In Esther 3, Haman pursues Mordecai to kill him because of his righteousness. He hates him. Job loses his children, his house, his crops, his servants, animals, his health. And in the end, his friends betray him because of his righteousness. Throughout the book of Samuel, David is accused by his brothers, hated by Saul. Saul tries to murder him. He has to run for his life. He is taken advantage of. In Judges 6, 28 through 30, Gideon was about to be murdered for cutting down uh, an altar to Baal. 1 Kings 18 tells of Elijah being pursued by Ahab, 
1 Kings 19, Jezebel threatens Elijah. 2 Kings 2.23, Elijah's apprentice, uh, Elisha, is mocked and made fun of. Daniel 3 has Daniel being thrown into a den of lions for praying. Daniel 6, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into a fiery furnace for not bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. 1 Kings 22 tells of Micaiah, the prophet, being made fun of, struck in the face, and then thrown into prison. Throughout the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is beaten, mocked, thrown into prison, uh, constantly in discomfort. He loses his reputation. Throughout Genesis, Joseph is betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, forgotten, wrongfully accused, and imprisoned. In 2 Chronicles 24, 20 through 22, Zechariah was stoned to death for saying that what the king did was wrong. In addition to all this, John the Baptist was beheaded. The Son of God, Jesus the Messiah, was crucified. His disciples were crucified, cut into pieces, jailed, beaten, flogged, skinned alive. Let's pause for a second and go to Luke eleven forty nine. Luke eleven forty nine says this, because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. As Hebrews eleven thirty six through 38 says, some face jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. Do you know that the original underground church that the tunnels that they walked through were not already there? That they had to dig the tunnels that they moved about in? What if that were our reality? I want to encourage you with a thought, okay? That fear that you had just a second ago, that this would be the worst thing that could possibly happen to you, okay? I want to challenge you that if in your heart you have not uh, reasoned to follow Christ even in the midst of something like that happening to you. That should that situation come upon you while you are unprepared, that the worst thing in the world, that you should turn your back on Christ and deny Him in front of men, that that might actually become your reality because it's worse. It's worse. Being out there on your own apart from your Messiah is worse than that worst thing that you imagined. Because one has to do with the temporary state that we live in right now. The other one has eternal implications. Are we all tracking? When we think about eternity, when we begin to be heavenly minded, instead of so concerned with our comfort and entertainment here on the earth, we all of a sudden become very dangerous because the things that we are investing in are not subject to change. The things that we are investing in are actually a part of a kingdom that can't be shaken by the things that happen in the world. Does that make sense? So let's recap from that list. All that falls under persecution. If I were 
if, if the roles were reversed right now and I were sitting in the seat, I'm listening. I would want to listen because all those people that were talked about, Abel, David, Joseph, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abraham, Moses, Zechariah, Jeremiah. I don't know about you guys. These guys are my heroes. They're my heroes. As I look, I'm like, and I'm about to recap what they went through because of their righteousness. I'm going to be sitting and listening and going, Lord, please let me like have something. In please let me be on that list somehow with something. Please let me have experienced something that connects me with these guys. Being hated, murdered, threatened, mocked, insulted, bullied, losing children, homes, crops, jobs, possessions, being betrayed, falsely accused, being taken advantage of, tortured, intimidated, constant discomfort, thrown into prison, forgotten, stoned, and crucified. Now, some of you in here are like, yeah, I've been betrayed. Yeah, I've been falsely accused. But they were because of righteousness. That's a difference. A lot of us know what it's like to be betrayed. A lot of us know what it's like to be falsely accused, to be mocked. A lot of us know what that feels like. Fewer of us, I think, can relate our experiences with those negative things back to our righteousness. I remember one time when I got uh, fired from State Farm because I started another company on the side and it got sued and then they had to terminate me to avoid a class action lawsuit themselves. Never happened, right? Like there, There's no lawsuit, but... I'm, now I'm full-time in this, and I love it, right? And it's, like, got my entire being, right? But I remember what was so hard about that was, although I felt the response to it was disproportionate to the infraction, that was my own issue, and if the Lord still has got to work things out in me, praise God, he's doing it. But I thought that it was disproportionate to the infraction, and the hardest thing about the entire thing was that all of the suffering that was happening in my life was not because of righteousness. That's what made it so hard. If I would have been able to categorize that as just happening to me because I had been witnessing about Jesus too much. Then I could have been like, praise God, all these promises and all the words that are here in this in this book about all my heroes. I'm now joining in the line. I'm just getting persecuted because of my love for Jesus. But that wasn't what was happening. I was suffering for doing evil. And I think what we're being invited to is to consider when in my life am I actually suffering because of my love for Jesus? Let's talk about that for just a second. There are mean people at work. So if you got people at work that are mean and you say, oh, the spirit in them hates the spirit in me. That's a reach. That's just normal. There's mean people at work. Okay. You've got taxes. Oh, Illinois. But taxes, I feel the oppression, Lord. You know, no, that's normal. A cop stops you for speeding and gives you a ticket. It's not persecution for Jesus. 
Even if you are in a season where you feel that he's far away and not listening to your prayers and you get a ticket, it's not persecution. You're late for work consistently and you get fired. That's natural consequences. If it rains on your wedding day, that's just ironic. Don't you think? <laughs> Turn to 1 Peter 2.20. Those things are not persecution for Jesus. Some of y'all are finishing those lines. Look at actually verse 19 first. Talking about persecution can be fun, huh? <laughs> for it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. If we can do this the right way, guys, I'm excited. If we can distinguish between the suffering that happens to us because of the evil things that we do, and then when we can actually be counted worthy to suffer for Christ and all the treasures and the blessings right, that that brings, if we can distinguish this well, right, I think that we'll become a people who shine brighter, right, than we ever thought we could. There are even things that happen to Christians on the whole that are not necessarily a result of you taking a stand for Jesus. Now, oh man, I'm pulling, these are like little Jenga blocks and like the, you know, it's like, no, I feel like I've gotten persecuted, I feel the squeeze for being a Christian in this country. I'm going to pull some things away from you, okay? Prayer removed from schools. That is a persecution for Christians on the whole that is not necessarily a result of you taking a stand for Jesus. Ten Commandments removed from the courthouses. That is not necessarily because you took a stand for Jesus. Same-sex marriage legalized. Not a result of you taking a stand for Jesus. Increase immorality in the culture. Now, we've I've heard Christians use these things, right? You feel just the immorality in the culture, in the movies, in the TV, in the magazines. They're removing the Ten Commandments from the courthouses. We can't even pray in school, same-sex It's hard to be a Christian in this country, right? Now, listen, I'm not taking things away from people for no reason. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get us to the place where we actually look at what am I doing? What have I suffered as a result of me taking a stand for righteousness? Okay, is that fair? This is an article from Christianity Today. This is a Middle Eastern underground house church leader. This would be the authority on someone who'd be able to speak on suffering, in my opinion. Middle East, check. We all agree. Lots of suffering, lots of persecution going on. House church leader. It's hard to be a house church leader especially in the Middle East, right? Someone who is surrounded by persecution. But listen to what he says about persecution. Persecution is easier to understand when it's physical, like torture, death, and imprisonment. American persecution is like an advanced stage of cancer. It eats away at you, yet you cannot feel it. This is the worst kind of persecution. I'm going to tell you what I mean because that might sound like a stretch. But remember, it's not me. It's Christianity Today. They're reputable. Okay. 
if someone were to come up to me and say, deny Jesus or we're going to beat you up right now. That is a very black and white scenario, is it not? If someone were to come up to you and say, here, try this cocaine. Very black and white scenario. Okay? But if you slowly become addicted to sugar over the course of your life, and it actually does more damage to your body, right? Then that's something that you're welcoming into your life without any kind of resistance, right? Except maybe around holidays, really feeling like you're going to stop this time. <laughs> right? One kills you over a long period of time without you actually being aware that there's a battle going on. Do you see that? Someone offers me cocaine, it's like, stand for righteousness. No, I'm not doing cocaine. <laughs> right? But we'll go to a cookie exchange, right? <laughs> when I think about persecution, I want to be aware of the systematic persecution of Christians as a whole. But more importantly, I want to be aware on a day-to-day -day basis as I go around and I talk to people about Jesus. As I take a stand for righteousness, and this might mean a change in relationship with certain people, right? Because we are walking down different paths, meaning I'm going to stand for righteousness. This person is choosing to go a different way. And I say, I'm taking a stand. I cannot be a part of your life as long as you continue to do these things and call yourself a Christian. And now this person says, you hypocrite, you double-minded bigot, and blah, 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 blah. The persecution for righteousness. Do you see that? This is someone getting mad at you or having hostility towards you, right? Calling you names, trying to intimidate you maybe sometimes, cutting off things like family says, you know, if that's the way it's going to be, then don't even come around. Don't expect, you know, presents from us anymore or help or anything like this or this or that. Persecution. Do you see? There are opportunities that we have. What I fear is that as we sense things becoming hostile, we actually change ourselves to prevent that hostility as opposed to embracing it and recognizing that we're being counted worthy to be even mentioned in the same breath as some of these mighty men and women of God that have gone before us. I believe our mentality needs to change. Instead of sensing hostility as a result of our passion for Jesus, and then doing what we can to water down the situation, to compromise or to give in so that there can be uh, an illusion of peace. I believe what we're actually supposed to do is stand our ground even, even more firmly. And then that might mean that someone goes, who do you think you are? And it results in hostility. And for us not to go, oh no, what did I get myself into? Why did I listen to that preacher man, right? <laughs> Instead of bailing from that moment, enduring. Let's elaborate. Um, another quote, a Syrian remaining in the region to assist Christians and Muslims. Boom, another reputable source, right? It's a Syrian dude remaining in the region and he's gonna help Christians and Muslims. And this is what he says. It wasn't only ISIS who laid waste to the church. 
our cultural compromises with the government and our divisions against each other brood for a long time. We are Damascus, the seat of Christianity. What happened to us can happen to you. Be careful. It sounds like other people might actually pity us a little bit. People where the war is a lot more black and white might actually pity us because we're in a war. We just don't realize it. Let's turn to Psalm 119. You might be there. It's Psalm 119, so it's multiple pages. Go to verse 157. Were you there? <laughs> now you're there. <laughs> it's like five pages into Psalm 119. All right, verse 157. Many are the foes who persecute me, but I have not turned from your statutes. How many of you have ever been in a situation where taking a stand for Jesus means that you're going to lose a relationship? Wow. It's hard, isn't it? That's hard, isn't it? It's hard to be in that place because we can't see Jesus, but we can see this person. And it's hard because we're having to say goodbye to what we can see because it threatens what we can't see. How hard is that? Right? Losing relationships because of righteousness is difficult. Let's turn to Matthew 10. Amen. Let's look at verse 17. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Whew. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his children will rebel, uh, and a father his children. Children will rebel against their parents and, and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. Let me say that again like five times. All men will hate you because of me. All men will hate you because of me. Woe to you if all men speak well of you. For just a second, think about it, guys. Think about our heroes today in America, our Christian heroes in America. How do I reconcile woe to you if all men speak well of you and you will be hated by all men? How do I reconcile that? I'm not saying, I'm not putting them in the category of evil. What I'm saying is, don't you think it should actually cause us to be a little more cautious the more that everyone seems to swirl around a persona or a character? Shouldn't that actually cause us to be a little more cautious, especially when we don't even know the details about someone's life, right? I'm not, I'm not picking on any one individual. I'm saying that here we're promised by Messiah that all men will hate you. Because of me. It's just an interesting thought. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. He hadn't come yet. 
A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is, an, it is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? Did you know that they called Jesus? Like they said that he's operating by the power of Satan. Jesus. Well, Jesus, if you would have done this a little bit differently, then you wouldn't have upset them so much. Jesus, if you would have avoided this topic or just not stayed so long here, right, or continued to just press them, you kept messing with them, Jesus. And they got, yeah, they had to say it, Jesus, but sometimes I've wondered that myself. If you're not operating by the, I mean, come on, it's Jesus. He did it perfectly, exactly the way that he was supposed to. And the result was you seem to be operating by the power of the devil to Jesus. So do not be afraid of them. If Christ is for you, who can be against you? The better translation of Christ is for, who cares who's against you? That's the better translation. Who cares? If you're standing for Christ and someone opposes you, who cares? It's Jesus. The maker of heaven and earth. The one who spoke all things into being and sustains them by his own power. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. If someone should oppose you, who cares? Don't be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak it in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but can't do anything to your soul. They can't even mess with your soul. Your body is this shell. But your soul belongs to the Lord. Be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth much much, much more than sparrows. Meaning, if you should find yourself in a situation where you feel that by the strength of your own hand you need to deliver yourself from the persecutions and the hardship that you're experiencing as a result of your stand for righteousness or Christ, be at peace. You're not the one who has to deliver you. There is one greater than you. Who can deliver you completely. Do you see that? Do you believe it? Whoever acknowledges me before men. I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men. I will disown him before my father in heaven. Now y'all remember we've talked about this a long time ago. During the days of Domitian. This is the first century church. Right? The people were being forced to choose. To either pay all homage to Caesar, to worship Caesar as God here on earth, right? Or to not be able to participate in the buying and selling of goods. Basically, you can't go to the grocery store and get groceries for your family unless you acknowledge Caesar as God. And the way that they would know that you belonged in the Agora, the marketplace where they all went and, and did their stuff, is you'd have to burn some incense, take the ashes, put it on your forehead. Now you're walking around, you got the entry sign. Everybody knows you're good to buy and sell. Okay? 
And so they had to decide, do they take the mark so that they can buy and sell, or do they choose to remain faithful to Jesus? The things that we, in my opinion, will go through in our lifetime are not things that are uncommon to Christians. Many people before us have had to decide, what is my faith in Jesus worth? Is it worth my comfort? Is it worth my reputation? Is it worth my relationships? Is it worth my resources, my job, my house? Is it worth my life? Many people have had to make that decision. We're not alone in that. And the days to come won't present us with anything that makes us any different. Many people have gone before us and experienced the things that some of us have gone through in here. I think many of us will go through before our days are done. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Verse 34. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus came to bring a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus, what a hard word. Who can even follow along with something like that? Trying to turn people in a household against each other. His goal was not to divide. His goal was to draw a line in the sand that says, here is where righteousness ends. Stand on this side and do not stand with those who stand on the other side. We fear this, though, because we feel that it will make us ineffective in reaching a world who stands on the other side. Let me tell you this, this world over here, deep down, way, way, way deep down, beneath all the arguments, beneath all the degrees, beneath all the intelligence and the knowledge and the hurt and the pain and the offense and the shame, they're begging for us not to cross over to try and reach them. They're pleading with us, don't cross over, show me something real. Don't come over here to try and reach me. I don't respect that. That won't last. Way, way, way deep down, they're begging us to take a stand for righteousness. And when they strike us on the cheek, to turn the other one. And when they crucify us, to remain up on the cross. Deep, deep, deep down, that's what they really, really want. They don't want Jesus to come off the cross and bring judgment now. They don't want him to compromise what the father has asked him to do. Deep down, they want him to remain up there. Why? Because that's their only hope. Is if Jesus will endure through that persecution, that might actually mean salvation for their souls. And deep down, that's what they want. They want to be saved. They want to be known. They want to be loved. I promise you that. We just disagree with the Bible sometimes about how to do that. You don't need to become more like the world to win the world. The world is looking for that pure and spotless bride who will shine like a light in the darkness. That's what they want to see. That's what they want.
So look at this. In Matthew, 7, in Matthew 10, this is what we see. We're going to be handed over, be flogged, we'll be arrested, betrayed by our family, hated by all men, called the devil. Sweet. But what do we do in turn? We declare the truth boldly till the end. We don't fear man. We fear God. We don't deny Jesus. He came to bring the sword. We love Jesus more than anything, including our own lives. And we lose our life for him. This is the instructions that we're being given in Matthew 10. We're being told what's going to happen to us. And then we're being given instructions on how to respond. Endure. Endure. Katie, where's that little microphone? Did you have it? Did you hide it from me? Katie's in the nerd. No, she's right here. Where's that little microphone? A little handheld one. Lil. She's ready. She was ready for her message. Um, so Katie, here, come on. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. These lights are bright. Just share a little bit about, um, since you've started following Jesus, Katie is a hairdresser, fantastic hairdresser, by the way. Um, yeah, so, uh, I do hair and as I do hair and I'm talking with my clients, I'm also talking about my life and they talk about their life and, um, ever since I started becoming serious about the kingdom and I started, you know, following Jesus and I'm sharing about that, um, you know, they, they question it, you know, and, uh, you know, I get questioned, I, you know, probably have lost half my clientele through the journey and, uh, you know, it was like almost overnight and, um, I get asked if I'm in a cult. So yeah, just it's, sweet. It's awesome. How many of you guys in here have been asked if we're a cult or have heard people referring to us as a cult? Hey, hey, that's awesome. Let's give ourselves a hand. You know what, a def what the definition of a cult is? It's like a group of passionate people. <laughs> Seriously, look it up. I promise you. Look it up. It's a group of passionate. It just matters what we're passionate about. The problem is, is that there's such a lack of passion in the world that when passionate people come along, it's like, who are these people? The only thing I can surmise is that they're a cult. <laughs> Uh, Manuel, come up here and, and share for just a second. So many of y'all know that a while back, we used to go and open air preach at the train station. Right? Y'all remember that? Some of y'all? Um, how many of y'all ever went out and did that? Right? Okay, sweet. Share a little bit about some of the things that happened as we were preaching the gospel at the train station. She can share a verse, man. Um, so... Nick asked me to share this morning, and I was like, I, did, I actually didn't want to share because I was like, I don't really feel like we got persecuted. But then after I thought about it, I was like, actually, no, that was, there was a lie. I just forgot about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, my view towards persecution, I guess, used to be more like um, in Second uh, Samuel 16, where uh, they're like, you know, persecuting David. And uh, his, um, one of his soldiers says, like, who's his dead dog? Should I go cut off his head? Yeah. And... Uh, that was kind of like, you know, like, no, let's just fight back. You know, we don't need to take this. Uh, but then, you know, over, over time, I just realized that um, what Nick said about um, enduring that persecution and people want to see something real for the first time because um, all those motivational speakers and stuff like that, when it comes down to it, um, 
they'll, they'll crumble under the, under real pressure. You know what I mean? And uh, we have something real, something eternal. And um, everything you said about bearing under, you know, persecution for doing the wrong thing, uh, I've done that, and that's you know that's not real persecution. Um, but I'm I'm just recalling like to mind where Jesus says like blessed are the peacemakers, you know, and those that are persecuted. Um, and um, when we go from just knowing what's right, right, and doing that, and then you get persecuted for that, but then going above and beyond, and then actually seeking out those that are lost, actually going to those places that are dark, that you know that there is uh, a need for hope, and then you become persecuted for that. I think that's when we start really seeing uh, what Jesus is about, because he came down to a, a world that did not recognize him, right? It was darkness, and it did not uh, recognize him. And so um, I remember at the train station, uh, my flesh hated it. Mike was always, like, you know, able to exhort me to, to be able to do that. But because um, <laughs> it was cold. I mean, we'd be freezing, and I, I hate the cold. And, um, like, our toes would be frozen. Our hands would be frozen. We'd be not like, persecution. Not persecution. Just the consequence of living in. <laughs> Some of you were like, dang it. <laughs> But I remember, like, sometimes being out there by myself, you know, because I'd get there early and then being like, okay, what am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to just do this, you know, because God is with me. And um, and then people would, like, stand by you really close to try to intimidate you. Like, so, like, there's no one around. Yeah. There's, there's nobody even close to Manuel. All the warm seats are over here. It's freezing cold. And, and then I'd, people would come and, and just be like. Or, like, if I'm, if I'm talking to you guys, they'd, they'd stand, like, right here. And... And, you know, you just like, well, my, you know, my, my war is not against flesh and blood. You know, I don't wrestle against that. So I would just, you know, calmly just kind of make my way through people and they, they'd pile up. And so you're like kind of walking around people as you're still per, uh, preaching and people would, um, you know, spit at our feet, uh, you know, like, like threaten us. Yeah. And like actually say really mean things like you guys are pathetic. You guys are, you know. No one these, wants to hear this. Oh, yeah. Shut up. Go home. You're shut pathetic. Up. Yeah. yeah. So all these things. But anyways. Um, but, but it was just cool to see that, um, you did reach people. Like some people actually, um, got prayed for. Um, some people said that this, it, it was their best part of the week. Um, hearing the messages of hope. Amen. So anyways. awesome. Anthony, come on, man. Some of y'all don't know Anthony's story. Some of y'all do. Anthony, just share about some of the things that you've had to face in uh, taking a stance for Jesus and taking a stance for righteousness. Yeah, when uh, the Lord called me to walk away from my gang in prison, uh, I immediately got a lot of threatens that they were going to kill me, that they were going to stab me, they were going to crack my head open. Uh, by the grace of God, none of that stuff happened to me, but uh, I got disrespected a lot. I got called every name in the book. They said I turned my backs on them. Um, and just everything that went with that and not knowing if this would have been the day that they were going to do that or not. And just trusting that the Lord was going to keep me safe in prison. Yeah. Yeah. What about your family? Yeah. When I came to uh, the Christian faith, a lot of my family were Catholics. So they were uh, really upset at me and saying that I denied my faith and denied my initial baptism. And that they were looking at me as almost if I was denying them and rejecting them. That they didn't want me to be a part of what I was being a part of. That's good. Yeah. What about what about uh, what about you? You went to the train station a ton, ministering to the homeless in the city a lot. 
Yeah, oh, ministering to the homeless, I got my backpack robbed from me. I got threatened by beer bottles, canes, because I was trying to preach the gospel to them, and they were just rejecting everything I wanted to say. At the train station, we had guys similar to what Manuel was saying, where they were literally trying to scoop me off the track so I could fall off the tracks. Oh, I had even the police come up to me and tell me that I had to stop preaching. I told them I wasn't going to stop. So if he wanted to arrest me, I was available for that, and I just kept preaching. <laughs> I like his wording. I'm available for that. I got time for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's real. It actually happens. What I, what I want is for, I want our standard to be different. I don't want us to, to, uh, to establish our standard based off what we, what we feel is normal for the American Christians. I don't want us to base our standard of suffering for Jesus off of what we normally see. I want this to be a place where what I used to love about the train station when we would go is it was so pure. I felt like we had found this like this little window, this little opportunity where it's like the cops are like, hey, it's free speech. You can preach. Seriously? Here in front of all these people in our city. We can preach the gospel. Yeah, it's not against the law. Okay. And then we start preaching. And then the things that people would say and do, not because I cheated on my taxes, not because I was angry at my wife, not because I flipped out in the restaurant, because I'm preaching about Jesus. And then when people would say and do things that were derogatory or that were meant to hurt, it would be the best feeling because what are they going to do? What is someone, what is someone in, that, in that position going to do? Take my life? Imagine being able to see King Jesus and that was the last thing that happened to me. That I was taking a stand for him and then I got to see him immediately. Oh man, what better terms to meet him on, right? I want us to see those opportunities as the most precious, beautiful things. Like it's this like delicate opportunity. Like it's like, blah, blah, blah. don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Let me get persecuted. Let me get persecuted. Let me endure this. This is what I've been waiting for. This is like, this is like the moment that I should be counted worthy to suffer. Like all these men and women that have gone before me. Think of how amazing they are. And then I get for a moment, this opportunity has presented itself to me and I can take a stand for Jesus and righteousness right now. And then I, I might get the opportunity to be counted worthy to suffer like them. What a, what a mentality shift, right? How much of a shift is that for us? That we would begin to think like that, that it's like, oh, don't take that away from me. Don't take that away. No, 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 I want it. I want it. I want it. Here. Yeah. Jesus loves you. Right? Hey, he died for you and he's the only way. There is no other way. <clears throat> Get out of my house. That's it. I don't want you in here. Don't come around here bringing that. You hypocrite. You think you're better than me? You think your way is the only way? What a prideful, bigoted statement. You're, you hate people. The world needs more love and you're spreading hate. Persecution. Instead, what do we want to do? You think I'm not going to stand up for myself? You can't talk to me like that. 
right? This is what we, we fight for ourselves. What? We waste it. Now we just went through something so beautiful and so precious. And then we're like, I'm going to cash this in. You ever seen a coupon, the value of a coupon? It's like, it's like one one hundredth of a penny. It might be like a, a $50 off, you know? If you use it the right way for something that you're going to be doing, it'll, it's worth 50 bucks. Or if you're some guy, you go someplace and you take 100 coupons and you trade them in for a buck or a penny. It's worth a hundredth of a penny. And that's like what we're doing when we take these opportunities to suffer for righteousness and for Christ. We're cashing it in and it's worth nothing here on earth. We defended ourselves. You won. You won the argument. You made that dude look like an idiot. The one who was trying to persecute you, you won the argument. You proved to them that Jesus is the only way. You did it. You're smarter than your arguments, better than them. And everybody thinks they're a fool and you're a genius now. You did it. You cashed in your persecution. You cashed it in. And it's worth nothing. You won, but you really lost. Right? So when you get that opportunity, right, to suffer for Christ... It's it. You, you arrived. That's it. That's the best thing that could happen to you, that you would be counted worthy to suffer because no student is greater than his teacher. And if they hated Jesus, they'll hate us. Right. Just a few more verses. Second Timothy three. Some of y'all have a title over uh, chapter three. What does your title say? godlessness in the last days. So in the midst of that topic, look at what Paul tells Timothy in verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The persecution that you'll experience, right, is promised to you. It's a promise of God. Look in chapter 2, verse 10, what he says. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. What's he saying? He's saying if I get squeezed, if I get oppressed, we're going to multiply. I'm doing it for others. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. Go to John 15, 20. Persecution. Look at actually verse 18 first. What does it say above 18 for you? The world hates the disciples. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you. It would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. It's promised. Remember what we were singing about this morning? 
promises God? How about the promise of persecution? He promises that he will provide. And he promises that people will submit. <laughs> and he promises persecution. I thought we got rid of that line. Man, the promise of persecution. All your promises are yes and amen. And I will rest in your promises of persecution. Rest in his promise of persecution. It's either true or it isn't. 1 Corinthians 4.12 <laughs> Boom. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we blessed. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world, garbage and scum. <laughs> Go to Revelation 2. Y'all been to the eye doctor when they are like, better here or better here? Better here or better here, right? Most of the time, it's like, I don't know. It, do it again. Matt has been there. If you want a detailed story about the eye doctor, you talk to Matt. But there are some times where it's like, oh, much better, much that. Yeah, much better. Right. It's like that first one. And then after that, they're like fine tuning it. Right. How could we read this and not come away with the mentality that we're supposed to anticipate suffering? How could we read this and miss that? Better here. No suffering. Everything will be great. Everybody will love you. You'll be a success in this world. All the blessings are yours, treasures on this earth, beyond compare, or better here, suffering, scum of the earth, turn a, turn a man against the members of his own household. Better here? Better here. <laughs> better here? Better here. We're invited to see through this lens. We're invited. It's like, hey, let me tell you a secret that's better than, than treasures on this earth. Let me tell you about something that's way better than everybody liking you. Let me tell you something that's better than that. Are you ready? Don't love your life so much that you're afraid to lose it here in this world. Because if you lose it here, you'll gain it in heaven. If you'll give up your treasures here instead of hoarding them and fighting for them, if you'll give them up, there'll be treasures beyond what you can imagine in the life to come that'll last forever. These treasures, they go away. But the treasures that you'll experience, they last forever and they're way better than any of this. It's a whisper. The shout is, your best life now, you're a champion, you're wonderful. Everything's amazing, that promotion is yours. <laughs> Send check or money order to this address. <laughs> right? That's the shout. 
the whisper is, don't love your life so much that you're afraid to lose it. Don't, don't do that. Don't fall into that trap. Look in verse 8 in chapter 2. <laughs> These are the words of the church in Smyrna. <laughs> They're like, we didn't pick that name, okay? It was already here. It's, they just call you whatever city you're in. <laughs> Couldn't have been something cool like the arising or... These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet what? You are rich. I know the slander of those who say they're Jews and are not. We don't have to deal with people saying they're Christians and are not in this country. 70 to 90% of people claim to be Christian. 90% of Congress identifies as Christians. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but, a, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. What if we took that attitude? Don't be afraid. Step up. Suffer for Jesus. Right? I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. How in death am I going to find life? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Do you know there are stories of people singing while they're being burned alive? Singing praises. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Revelation 6. They're entering into eternity, eyes wide open. They have no fear of judgment. Revelation 6, 9 through 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. So how long do you have to keep enduring this suffering that you're going through right now on account of Jesus? A little longer. A little longer. How long do you have to endure the persecution that you're facing from family, co-workers, friends, strangers, this world in general? How long do you have to endure it? A little longer, a little bit longer. Here's a robe. <laughs> How long, oh Lord? Here's a robe. Cool. It's just a little bit longer. I didn't get as many laughs as I thought it would. I thought it. <laughs> no, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> uh, verse 16 in Revelation 13. This is the beast out of the earth. He also forces, verse 16, he also forced everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Take the mark of the beast or you won't be able to buy and sell goods. 
How long do we have to endure? A little longer. A little longer. Go to Matthew 5. Worship team, come on up, if you would. Let's just sing that last song. You have plans that are better. Babe, will you look up for me that verse uh, in Acts where they leave rejoicing? They were counted worthy. Look at Matthew 5, verse 9, or verse 10. Matthew 5:10 Blessed are those who persecute who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's a river that's running and it's running uh, red with the blood of the prophets and the saints that have gone before us. And if we should ever be counted worthy to be given an opportunity to jump in that river along with those that have gone before us, I'm telling you, don't give away your ticket. Don't pass up your opportunity to suffer. If you are counted worthy, if you should be given that moment as a gift where if you take a stand for Jesus and proclaim the truth and proclaim his righteousness and something bad should happen to you or you are pursued with any level of hostility. If you should be given that opportunity, take it and don't give it away to anybody else. You take that moment. You take that moment. And then if you should get it, if you should be one of the ones who endures through that testing and through that hostility, if you should be one of the ones worthy enough, deemed worthy enough to make it through that moment, don't you give it away by defending yourself or by retaliating or by trying to exact vengeance. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Go to Acts 5. This is our last verse. I want to tell you that if you had followed around the Messiah, the one who was able to defeat death for three and a half years, and that at his worst moment, you bailed on him. Remember the culture that they were in. Everything that the rabbi did, these disciples did it exactly, all the time. Remember that. Everywhere he went, everything he did, they were there when the people wanted to stone Jesus. They were there whenever the bread was broken. They were there when Jesus walked on water and Peter got out of the boat. They were there from the beginning when Jesus multiplied all their fish, when he raised the dead, when he gave sight to the blind. And then in that moment of his greatest persecution, they bailed on him. I want you to imagine if that's where you were, your best friend. You did everything together. And in that moment, in that moment when he needed you the most or when she needed you the most, you bailed on her and you left her for dead. You left him for dead. If you were in that position and then somehow by some miraculous power, he came back from the dead and you were standing with him face to face. And then he said, it's okay. It's okay. You'll be given another opportunity. When that opportunity comes, listen to how they respond. 
Look at verse 29 in Acts 5. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Look at verse 40. His speech persuaded them. Gamaliel stands in and he's like, don't go after these guys. If it's from God, you're going to find yourself fighting. So they say, okay. They called the apostles in and had them flogged, beaten. Finally. Finally. This is what was going on in their mind. Finally. We missed it when it came before. We're not going to miss it again. They're standing in the same place where Jesus stood and they sentenced him to be crucified. They're standing before the Sanhedrin and they're trying to dissuade them from following Jesus and from standing up for righteousness. And Peter's like, not again. Not a chance. Not a chance. We must obey God rather than men. Take me to the same place if you want. There's no way I'm backing down from this moment. Not a chance. And so they beat them. And this is how they responded. Verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Rejoicing. Barely walking. For sure. But rejoicing because they got another chance to make good on what they missed the first time. If you're here and you've missed your opportunity before and you've not seen how precious this is, standing up for righteousness and then getting to suffer somehow, in some way, if you've missed it before, see through the lens now. See that this is the whisper of heaven inviting you to join in. Don't miss it again. Let's stand up. Just ask him with everything that's in your heart, ask him, Lord, give me another chance. Give me another chance. Give me another chance that I might be counted worthy to suffer for the name. Give me another chance, Lord. I won't back down from it this time. I won't fight my own battles this time. I'll let it go. I'll let it go and I will take a stand for righteousness. I'll remain firmly planted on the rock and I won't abandon it anymore. I won't turn around and disown you again, but I'll stand in the midst of it. If the hostility comes, I'll remain. I'll stand faithful. I won't back down from it again. And I won't fight my own battles. Heavenly Father, may we be baptized into your death, your burial, and your resurrection. May we not skip the death and the burial. That unjust suffering, the not being justified before men, may we endure through that because that is your path for us 
to achieve resurrection is to lay it down and to surrender. And so, God, we surrender. In Jesus' name, amen.